0: You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian.
1: Well, hello, Westerners. You are here with Brian and I. I'm Justin. He's Brian. I am. And we're talking Beatles on The Quest for 100. I, uh, you, Brian, you told me like a second before I was about to do the intro that I was doing the intro and I wasn't prepared. So that's my impromptu intro to the Quest for 100. Good work. Um, you know, pretty, pretty casual, I'd yeah. say. Um, but, uh, but yeah, welcome in. This is uh, excited that, to have have you listeners here with us as we talk about this uh, pretty deep topic about the Beatles I learned very quickly in my studies. I don't know about you, Brian, but, uh, this is a topic that we could have had 300 podcasts about. I feel like there was so much history and depth. Uh, there's a lot of aficionados and experts out there.
0: There are probably a lot of Beatles podcasts out there. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, I actually found one, um, earlier in my research and I started listening to it. Uh, and I just like, The depth of this is just insane. Um, But if you're a regular listener on the Quest, you'll know we'll just touch on a lot of little things here. We'll get some history. We'll get some fun stats. uh, And then as per usual, we'll have some good debates uh, as we get into the friendship test and the delusional thinking. Uh, But before we do any of that, Brian, tell me a little bit about what you've been up to since last time
0: since last time we talked a week ago uh, i have been sick oh. i've been extremely sick uh probably <laughs> one of one of the worst sicknesses i've had in oh. you know good memory wow since probably i'd say in the last 15 years
1: that's pretty bad yeah
0: yeah i Uh, on, let's see, what was that? Saturday night. I went to bed at 9 p.m. and slept until 8 a.m., woke up, got some breakfast, went back to bed until I had to eventually get up to go to work. Oh, my gosh. So, and that was about at 12, thirty in the afternoon that I I eventually had to get up and actually functionally do something. Yeah. If I could have, I would have stayed in bed. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, and so I'm still recovering from that. Uh, you might hear a little bit more nasal to my, yes. my voice today. Hopefully I can make it through because uh, at points I've I've been coughing so much mm. that sometimes I can't get words out. <laughs> so, well, that's fun. Yeah, so so that's really been what I've been dealing with over the last
1: week. Well, that, that sucks. Uh, this might be the first podcast that we're both sick at the same time. Yeah. I'm not as sick as you, I don't think, but and I don't have a bad, bad cough, but I am just like a sieve my nose. I just it's it's that time of year, guys. It is that time of year. year, So stay healthy. But we're here for you guys, sick or not. We're talking we're talking topics. So for me, uh, I actually on Saturday went to a gala in Tacoma. Uh, I don't make it down to Tacoma very often. But uh, for those not in the area, that's a city south of Seattle. Not too far south, but probably the biggest city south of it. But, uh, yeah, so I went to a gala there. It was a 1920s-themed gala. Bowtie. So I definitely went bowtie. I had my pocket watch as well. Um, And it was fun. They had, like, flappers there. They had, you know, some... What's a flapper? A flappers like, a dancer from that time. They wear, like, the short dresses, and they do, like... Usually uh, a couple girls will do the dance and they're like shiny dresses. If you saw them, you'd, you'd know. I just didn't realize they were called flappers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so they danced, they had like performances, like jazz. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. I, I appreciated it. uh, And it was for a good cause. So, Um, but yeah, so we just went, went to that and that was kind of my weekend. Uh, But we did actually have some, some fan feedback, uh from uh and and not necessarily feedback, but just some responses from some listeners, and I'll touch on some of them but uh
0: I'm pretty sure mine is feedback
1: oh well, <laughs> to you, <laughs> I guess so, I guess so, but uh we just got uh feedback from one of our uh previous guests on the show, and uh he's a everyday listener or every week listener, I guess I should say um he and his girlfriend Audrey were listening in uh to our um, to our Mr. Rogers podcast last week, and they said they really liked it. But they did have one question, uh, was on Mr. Rogers' salary, which uh, I said was at 130000 um which was 139000 That was in 2003, and that was his peak salary, which was the end of his career. Yeah, uh, They were curious what it was adjusted for inflation. So it actually, today, you know... It, it's it's not all that different, but in today's world, it's one hundred ninety seven thousand, um, which you know is big. But for if you're you know, freaking Mister Rogers, you you could definitely pull in more if yeah. you wanted to. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, he he really liked the episode though. He said there's a lot of interesting facts in it. So if you haven't made it back to that one uh, and you're coming in here for the first time, uh, definitely recommend that episode. There's some. Uh, Interesting if you're a Mr. Rogers fan, at least it's some interesting facts.
0: So, uh, our other um little uh comment from a listener comes from Thomas, who was a guest uh appearance uh when we did our Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe that was episode 22. Uh, and his comment was actually on our Thanksgiving episode. Um, And he says, just listen to this episode, and all I have to say is hearing Justin describe cream corn sounded like he was describing he loves eating throw-up. Also, turkey is so overrated. Thomas, if
1: you're listening, you're wrong on both accounts. Cream corn, don't knock it till you try it. It's great. Uh, Hard to describe, though, for someone who's never had cream corn. I'll, I'll give you that. But don't knock that. And you're 100% wrong. Turkey is not overrated. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you're a listener. I don't have to uh, agree with you. Turkey's great. <laughs>
0: End scene. All right. Well, that being said, let's uh, get into some Beatles news. You're a newsman. And I ever tell you otherwise? Ice be in the face. So I'll start us off with some Beatles news. Uh, it, I found a story that says. Uh, a Beatles fan pop-up store is coming to the Soho district of New York City. Hmm. It is expected to open on Wednesday, December twenty-second, at one six three Mercer Street. Uh, it's going to offer a selection of exclusive Beatles themes gi- Beatles themed gifts. Ranging from holiday sweaters, hats, scarves, and tree ornaments to branded toys, turntables, and even a Beatles ping pong or excuse me, not ping pong, pinball machine. Nice. Retail prices will range from about fifteen dollars for small gift items to the pinball machine being eight thousand dollars. And this is kind of a a um, interesting you know little store because of the. Um, well, the the Beatles being a uh, uh, a brand from the UK, yep, they always have to license um, to you know American companies to bring over their um, you know materials and all that kind of stuff, or, or or American companies have to license through them in the UK. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to actually market and and sell things that yeah. are Beatles over here. Um, and so this is kind of one of uh, not a first of its kind, but but this. Uh, type of store is very unique uh, mm-hmm. because of that situation. So you know, if you're a big Beatles person, and and although December twenty second is a little tight, uh, yeah. if you need a last minute <laughs> uh, gift and you happen to be in New York, head on down to this uh, pop up store uh, for the Beatles.
1: Well, if you're yeah, if you're on the East Coast, I feel like it's. I mean, depending on where you're on the East Coast, but I know people in Philly and. Jersey and, you know, a lot of the surrounding states, you can get to New York pretty quick. It's like driving to Portland from Seattle. So hopefully you can make a trip there. If you're a big Beatles fan, I know a few. But yeah, on on my news, uh, mine was actually, uh, it was a recent article that was posted, but uh, I think it will be a good segue into, you know, some of your stuff, Brian, but um, it was actually a short, I want to say a short story, but it was a story about um, some of the more iconic bands of the area or, or of the era uh, and some interesting facts that I uh, learned in this, uh, in this story. So Keith Moon, I don't know. Are you familiar with Keith Moon at all? No. Okay. So Keith Moon was the uh, fame drummer from the who. Okay. And uh, so he obviously very famous from that and he was having trouble with the who with the band uh, and in nineteen sixty six uh was one of the high points of the chaos within the Who, which was as you know and we'll get into, uh was the Beatles kind of heyday as well as the that sixties time era and before for them too, but um though the band allowed allowed singer Roger Daltrey back in the band um after he beaten up Keith Moon, uh the situation hadn't gotten much better. Surprise, surprise. So Keith actually started looking elsewhere, and after his pitch to the Animals wasn't successful, he spotted the Beatles in a club. So Moon decided to actually ask Paul McCartney if the Fab Four would have him a part of the band. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, if this is, you know, if you take a step back and you say, like, a crazy famous drummer from The Who, who's incredibly popular, almost joined the um, the Beatles, it, it it has a little bit more meaning. And so after, uh, siding, uh, siding, up to the band's booth, Moon said that he'd like to join them. McCartney replied that Moon already had. And then he said, no, I mean, can I join the band? And Moon, Moon asked, according to Blake, McCartney declined the pitch by suggesting Moon take it up with Ringo Starr, which obviously was their current drummer. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was interesting with this, and kind of a final tidbit to it, so Moon's effort to find a new gig didn't end that night. In May, he joined Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, John Paul Jones, and Nicky Hopkins in the studio to record Beck's Bolero. Uh, And he spoke with with a couple guys in Page about forming a supergroup. Moon... Uh, remarked that the particular suggestion had gone down like a Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. And although the supergroup never was formed, Jimmy Page then named his band Led Zeppelin. So this guy, Moon, who was in the Who, Hmm. almost became in the Beatles. I mean, I say almost very lightly. He tried to become in the Beatles. And then he inspired Led Zeppelin, which is like super crazy. I didn't know much about Moon. Um, but he kind of had this, like, storied past through these epic, epic groups yeah. um, that, that played in the 60s and 70s.
0: Which reminds me, we need to probably, because we always forget to do this, talk about where we stand with the Beatles and yes. our current understanding. I, and, 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 and I
1: have and a inter- suggestion for you, uh, Brian, at uh, because we, <laughs> we literally do this every week. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we're good about it, but 90% of the time we're not. I almost want to put a segment in here for future podcasts where it's just called burying the lead and we make sure we do it right towards the beginning, but not quite the beginning. And that's when we'll we'll change it up every
0: time. It'll be like, sometimes we'll do it right off the top and sometimes we'll do it, you know, after the news, sometimes we'll do it in the middle of dropping knowledge. Yes, it's perfect. (laughs) But, but
1: we're going to call this burying the lead. So Brian, tell me a little bit about the Beatles and your, how they played a role, if at all.
0: In uh, I would say they played a very little role in my life. Uh, I'm going to be honest, and this actually att- attaches back to last week's episode, but Mr. Rogers and Ringo Starr being the... Con- the, I believe he was the uh, train station conductor. He was either the conductor or something. Wait, Ringo Star was? Oh, yeah. Oh. Shining Time Station. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he was in... He was... And, and I think... You know, and that's many. how you knew
1: the Beatles from <laughs> well, Mister Rogers.
0: I I knew Ringo Starr okay. more than I knew any of oh the other gosh. ones. Okay, <laughs> setting so, the tone. <laughs> yes, so that's where we stand. Like I knew of Ringo Starr more than I knew of Paul McCartney and John right. Lennon and and uh, you know George Harrison, George Harrison. Yeah. Like it was Ringo Starr because he was. I knew he was a Beatle because because
1: <laughs> he, he was on Mister Rogers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a, a specific moment or anything that uh, I can speak to from the Beatles connection to my life, but I will say that probably in, I want to say middle school to high school, uh, I started to, uh, get into them a little bit more. And, uh, mostly this was because I, and I, this has come up, uh, maybe in the podcast or not, but I, I have older siblings, and they typically were into classic rock, older older music. I aspired to be like them because I was younger, but they were about ten to thirteen years older. Um, so artists like the Beatles weren't necessarily their top favorites. Led Zeppelin was kind of on the cusp for them, yeah. But the Beatles were always one that you kind of appreciated. So they would come on, you know, whether you're listening to classic rock or whatever. Um, but I really started getting. I think I got when i when i got my first cd player or my first uh walkman yeah uh that's when i got a beatles greatest hits mm. and i listened to that all the time uh there were so many good songs uh that were were on those albums and uh so that's where like i actually uh, i have a pretty great appreciation for them um it's probably been a while though uh, you know i don't know about you uh, in my research i was find myself listening to a lot of the music yeah. and just kind of In some cases, reminiscing to when I used to listen to them, but I don't, I can't say I've listened to to them a ton in the last 10 years, unless they occasionally come on the radio or something, but I'm not really searching for Beatles music. No. Yeah. Um, But like any topic, just to kind of segue this back. Like any topic, we may not come in. We may not be experts before we start, and we're certainly not after we do our research. But we know a, a fair amount. I mean, we're not coming in with knowing nothing. We're gonna help educate you folks on uh, some some good history and stats on this stuff. And uh, yeah, so we're we're I'm excited,
0: and we'll have some debate that people will probably disagree with <laughs> because they are way more sure. into Beatles mania that, than that. That we may were.
1: be, but we. But as uh, I'll remind you. Listeners later, feel free to chime in, and we'll we'll entertain any comments. uh, As you just heard, uh, the hot takes about cream corn and turkey, Uh, we'll 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 speak them out loud. Yeah. So,
0: all right, let's drop some knowledge, as we normally do. I am the history guy. Justin is a stats guy. Let's start with some history. So, in 1957 john lennon and paul mccartney they formed a skiffle group with several of their friends from Quarry bank high school in liverpool although they were not called the beatles at this time Mm -hmm. this is kind of where the formation of the group really started Um, and it was in february of 1958 that mccartney invited his friend george harrison to come and watch the band he later tried out but lennon initially thought he was too young for the band Mm-hmm. Uh, a month later, after Harrison persisted, he was enlisted as their lead guitarist. Yeah. And then in, in 1959, the Query Bank friends all left the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't find any of their names. So they obviously weren't very. There,
1: there were some that uh, came up in. Well. I don't know if you're going to get this. Do you have the original drummer? Yes. Okay. So, so those so are that not was after? those are not those people, okay. right? Okay. So I, I, I yeah. maybe I don't know them.
0: Then. No. So so in, in 1960, uh, Lennon's art school friend uh, Stuart Sut- Sutcliffe, Sutcliffe yep. joined as the bassist, and he suggested the name of uh, Beatles, but it was B E A T A L S. As a tribute to Buddy Holly and the Crickets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Later that year, uh, they became the Silver Beatles. Uh, and then that was with B-E-E-T-L-E-S. And then they were the Silver Beatles with the B-E-A-T-L-E-S. <laughs> okay. And then finally in August of that year, they settled on The Beatles. <laughs> so a lot of names I, in the 1960s.
1: I um this this, this it may not resonate with you Brian but uh in the show Parks and Rec this is a pretty com- I feel like this is a pretty common thing with um bands changing their names yeah. a lot yeah and uh there's in Parks and Rec there was a band called Mouse Rat which was they literally they every time you they heard it from them they were changing their name and it's so funny to me when you see other Iconic, like literally the most iconic band of all time was like changing their name every couple months because like, oh, let's try this one. yeah. Let's try. And any one of them could have been, they could have been the Sil- Silver Beatles and been that for the rest of time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's always fun to look at that. Yeah.
0: In mid-August, also in, in 1960, they finally found a drummer in Pete Best. Uh, and this was actually just before they headed to Hamburg for a three and a half month, Uh, residency Mm -hmm. and while in Hamburg they performed at multiple clubs uh, which they had signed on with one club and the club owner found out that they were performing at these other clubs so it was actually breach of their contract so in November their residency was terminated and they actually deported George Harrison as he had only obtained permission uh, to stay in Hamburg by lying to German authorities about his age. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a week later, McCartney and Best were arrested for arson after they set fire to a condom uh, in the alleyway oh, I heard by that. the club. And they were also deported. So <laughs> eventually everyone made it back to the UK. Um, in, in 1961, Sutcliffe's German fiance cut his hair in the XE Exi, or existentialist style which later became adopted by the other members of the band. Oh. And Sutcliffe, uh, like I said, uh, um, his fiance was German, and so, you know, bringing over that that kind of German influence to this this uh UK band. I'm looking up what,
1: it, what did you say existential hairstyle?
0: Ex uh, ex
1: existentialist.
0: Existentialist. E X I hair. Style. Google
1: will help me with the spelling.
0: So Sutcliffe that year decided to leave the band and return to um, his art studies. Uh, unfortunately, actually in, in 1962, just a year after he left the band, he passed away from a brain hemorrhage. Mm, yeah, I heard that it was uh There's actually a
1: ru- rumor that it was. Uh, well, he had the brain injury, but he it was a fight, and uh, apper- apparently there was a fight. And John Lennon stepped in to, like, stop the fight. And mm-hmm. that was the fight that, you know, eventually, unfortunately, killed him. Um, and there was a myth or rumor that John Lennon kicked him in the head. Oh. And he was the reason why. But there's no evidence of that from what I saw. Hmm. Um, and uh, he was more just helping out his friend to, like, stop the fight. Yeah. So. Also in
0: 1962, Brian Epstein became the uh, group's manager. And so he started to work on marketing the, the, the Beatles and, mm-hmm. and becoming um, you know a, a big promoter for them and producer George Martin signed the Beatles to uh, EMIs uh, parlophone uh, label so electronic or electric and musical industries is is EMI um, who's a, apparently a big player in records over in the UK. Um, Sure. Yeah. And never heard of him. Yeah. Um, so their first recording section took place at EMI's Abbey Road Studios. After the first recording session, they replaced uh, Pete Best with Ringo Starr. Okay. Because of of Martin and Epstein not believing that Best was a good enough drummer for yeah. the group. So they went looking for a new drummer and they, they found Ringo Starr. So real quick, Brian.
1: So the one of the things that I... Uh, saw that was right around that. Obviously, would have been right around that time. Is I think 1962. They, the Beatles, actually auditioned for Decca Records. Did you see this? No. At all? So this was. It must have been right before. Was it EMI? Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been right before. But they auditioned for Decca Records, and they were turned down because uh, they said groups of guitars are on their way out, hmm. and uh, Decca instead chose to uh, chose a group called the. Tremolo, tre- tremolos uh, which were local and cheaper yeah. and uh, according to this they said uh, this is widely considered one of the biggest mistakes in music history yeah, as you would sure. guess yeah. you missed on the, the Beatles Yeah, so
0: go ahead Yeah, so uh, Martin actually wasn't satisfied uh, with Ringo Starr as the drummer either uh-huh. um, so in the third week of recording they actually, actually replaced Starr with Andy White Oh, um, and he produced. Or he he was um, the drummer for uh, "Love Me Do," "Please Please Me," and "P.S. I Love You." I didn't know that. Yeah, and I knew about Pete Best and I knew about Ringo Starr, but I didn't. Andy, Andy White. White, huh? Yeah. So Martin actually ended up selecting the version that Starr played the drums on for for the single "Love Me Do." Um, But the other two were with Andy White. And so you'll actually, um, depending on what copies you get, Mm -hmm. um, you may get one of Love Me Do with Ringo Starr. You may get it with Andy White, uh, depending on. Interesting. um, Yeah. Huh. So February 11th, 1963, uh, they actually sat down and recorded 10 songs uh, during a single studio session for their debut LP, Please, please me, and they released that in March. Um, that actually lasted at the top of the record retail charts charts for thirty weeks, hmm. which is pretty long pretty for long. an album. <laughs> yeah, um, the band's fourth single, "She Loves Me," uh, excuse me, "She Loves You," uh, achieves the fastest sales of any record in the UK up to that point. It had uh, almost three quarters of a million copies sold in under four weeks yeah. it was the uh, first single to sell a million copies and remained the biggest selling UK record until 1978 so almost 15 years later before it got topped uh, they also in 1963 this is one thing I learned they packed a lot of things into each of these years yeah a lot. Because we're still in 1963. Yeah. And um, so they did this whole recording. They are now going to tour the UK three different times in the first half of the year. Um, and this is really what began Beatlemania yeah. is is this, this first tour in 1963. Uh, they overshadowed American acts that they were on tour with. Um, who were supposed to be like the top billing, you know, acts, mm-hmm. but people were actually going to see these Beatles because they it, this Beatlemania just yeah. kind of taken over the entire country. <coughs> uh, EMI's American subsidiary, Capitol Records, actually de- declined to issue the music to the in the United States uh, in 1963, so th- it almost took them a f- uh, a full year to two years. Um, to even catch on to this Beatlemania in, hmm. in the United States. But Swan Label worked with EMI to license She Loves You, and this got played by a Chicago radio station and was a part of American Bandstand, uh, but it really failed to catch on nationally. So in in 19, December of 1963, a Washington disc jockey named Carol James began playing I Want to Hold Your Hand, And this is really what kind of kicked off the American wave of Beatlemania um, because uh, the She Loves You didn't really do it for people here. So in February of 1964, the Beatles uh, made their first U.S. stop and they appeared on the Ed Sullivan show and did a live performance. It's said to have... 34% Thirty four percent of the country watched that show. Yeah. Um and I that's not a stretch.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everybody the Ed Ed Sullivan show at that time at that era of TV, people literally would gather around the TV to watch that show. I mean, there wasn't that many shows on, but so they didn't have much to compete against, but that was a big one. And when the Beatles were coming on too. Well, and what I had heard,
0: what I believe I saw was that they didn't impress on that oh, show really? either. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that.
1: I yeah. knew a lot of people watched the show. I didn't, you know.
0: Yeah, it's, it wasn't it wasn't this like impressive thing that, you know, people were floored with. Okay. Uh but they, you know, on this tour they they still performed at the Washington Coliseum. They did um two shows at Carnegie Hall and then they actually did the Ed Sullivan show again um before returning to the UK. And one one of the things that I th- thought was interesting, and they kind of associated with, was this was just months after the JFK assassination. Oh, okay. And so, it was almost thought as this kind of positive light for the U.S. that was coming out of this dark place. Yeah. Um, And so, the vibes that they were giving off, and the things that they were singing off of, you know, were so positive for America that Mm -hmm. people loved it so much. Yeah. So, United... Artist Records encouraged uh, their film division to offer the Beatles a three-motion picture deal, primarily for the commercial potential of the soundtracks in the United States, um, to get around some of those licensing issues that that you know you you come upon with uh, um, you know music and people's contracts with various record labels and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, in 1964, um, they released a Hard Day's Night. Which was released in the summer, and again talking about how busy these guys were um, during June and July of 1964, they staged 37 shows over 27 days in Denmark, the Netherlands, Hong Kong, Australia, and New Zealand.
1: I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> busy. I mean, when you're on top of the world, I guess you want to, everybody wants to have you, and but yeah, to balance that plus the recording plus everything i it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Then in August they returned to the United States and did 30 concerts in 23 cities. Okay. So we move forward to to a year from then, um 1965, uh Queen Elizabeth II actually appointed all four members uh, um to well, it was kind of a weird title. They're members of the Order of the British Empire. Okay. So
1: That's that's something. Yeah. I don't know what all the ranks and all of that other stuff um for because I know they hand out stuff like that. Obviously there's nighting too, but yeah um it's still pretty cool, I guess.
0: Their final UK tour was in nineteen sixty five and this actually ended on December twelfth, the day we're releasing this. Yeah um nineteen sixty five in Cardiff. And, you know, that that was their final UK tour. What they had really determined was that their concerts had go- grown so large that they felt that it was not about the music anymore. Um, and so, you know, it, it, they decided that the 1966 tour through the U.S. would be their last one.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of debate and controversy over the Beatles and how they decided like you mentioned a very logical decision to, to stop performing. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, John Lennon was dating Yoko Ono and Ono was blamed for splitting up the band. It's a pretty popular, um, thought. I don't know if it's a myth or not. Nobody can really confirm that type of thing, but, um, but yeah, and just, I don't know. That's one of my, my favorite things. Again, I mentioned it up top, but, um, a band like this, there's so much fanfare yeah. that people are willing to dig to depths that no other band has ever really needed to unravel, and uh, they they're passionate about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I saw was um, it was kind of a breakdown of like they they didn't actually like the new speaker system that they had to <laughs> use, so that, because it was you yeah. know they were now performing at baseball stadiums and and massive. Um, you know, stadiums, yeah, that they were losing the quality in the music mm. that they they wanted. and that's
1: fair. I mean the, as most people are, but musicians are finicky and if like their craft if their art is not up to snub, then why keep doing it?
0: Yeah, uh, but so their f- their final uh, paid concert was actually at Candlestick Park in San Francisco 1960 which was actually a uh, trivia question we had a couple weeks ago. Oh. that we didn't know
1: oh was it 1960 you said 66 oh 66 okay mm-hmm. uh in in
0: 1966 they also um released uh sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club uh and this actually took them 70 hours to record or excuse me 700 excuse oh, me, i was gonna me, say 70
1: music. hours that's quite, quite fast
0: 700 hours
1: 700 hours okay
0: yeah huh. um Magic Mystery Tour soundtrack To the Beatles television film Was released in 1967 uh, In 1968 They began Apple Records With the White Album uh, Being its first release Which I believe We've talked about Apple Records before I, I feel at some point we've talked about Them performing on top of Maybe we haven't oh, I
1: don't know it sounds familiar, but that could just be through my research. Yeah, I,
0: I know I've looked that up recently. So
1: I, I, I might have jumped the gun on this. So, are you saying that they stopped performing, but then they kept recording? Continued recording. Okay. All right. So the band stayed together then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah, they continued recording um, for quite a few years. I'll get I'll get okay. to the breaking up of the band in in a little bit, but um, so also in 1968 they were. Uh, filmed a cameo for the animated movie Yellow Submarine, Mm -hmm. and they released their Yellow Submarine LP in 1969 with four previously unreleased songs that had debuted in the film. Uh, uh, Also in 1969, they had their final public performance, which was on top of the uh, Apple Corpse, which was their um, record record album um company yeah Yeah. rooftop in london was that was in january 30th 1969 let it be was the uh, beatles final album release despite being recorded mostly before their second to last album which was abbey road um so september of 1965 or 1969 excuse me struggling with (laughs) this it's okay September of 1965, Lennon announced that he would be leaving the group. Um, In 65? 69.
1: Oh, 69. Sorry.
0: 69. um, He would be leaving the group. Uh, He did not announce it to the public because this was just six days before the release of Abbey Road.
1: Oh, okay.
0: the, The group's second to last album. Yeah. So And then in 1970, they... Uh, release "Let It Be" and the single "Long and Winding Road," um, and that would be their final yeah,
1: release, their swan song. Yeah, yeah. I I just as you talked through the last couple years of of the Beatles, I, uh, I I try to put myself in in the place of if I'm a super fan, right? You know, you've you've they they go on tour. You see them in the mid '60s, you know. They keep putting out records. I cannot fathom how maybe frustrated I would be that they're still putting out music, but they I can never see them again. Yeah, like that would be really hard. And I, you know, that happens when bands stop performing. But when they stop performing, they typically stop producing, mm-hmm. uh, at least what I've seen. And so to go that many years, I, I mean, they had the Apple thing, but if they're not really performing at live venues anymore
0: yeah but would you would you i mean i guess to me though you're at least in a better place than to say they are completely broken up and not i guess but it's like you're a, not getting anything it's a tease well you're at least getting music from them yeah the concerts is only a part of sure right like i guess so Seeing know. them live is only part of it.
1: Yeah, but that band in particular, seeing them in live, I felt like meant more than most other bands. Like I, that, like I don't know. that mania. are too young to know. It's true. You're you're very you're very like
0: great. because the mania wasn't even around the. I mean, it was around the concerts, but it was around everything, everything. about sure. them. Sure, it wasn't. Yeah. you know, like just, people would blow up when they came through the airport. You sure. know, and landed, and you know, so. I don't know. I, I can't speak to were they a great concert. Yeah. I don't know. I can't either. But all I can picture are, you know,
1: girls, women in the 60s just screaming their heads off at every live concert because I don't even know if they heard the songs. They just wanted to be in the presence of them. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, it was interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh. And then just kind of the last two things are just the updates on the individuals of the band. So, um, you know, December of 1980, uh, we actually just passed the anniversary of, of John Lennon's death. Um, and he was shot and killed by a fan outside of his apartment, mm-hmm. um, in, in New York. Uh, and then he, on that one too,
1: I thought it was an interesting note. The, uh, they don't typically do this, but it was during Monday night football, uh, half I I don't know if it's halftime, but during the broadcast, the announcer decided to break the news, and that was where the news broke during a football game. Oh wow! Which is really interesting. Huh. Um, he just felt it was big enough that they ne- they couldn't just sit on was it. Cosell?
0: Uh, I don't
1: know. I'll look that up. Uh, but it was it was a big moment in in TV history, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then November two thousand one, uh, George Harrison passed away from lung cancer. So we, uh, still have Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney are still around and, and doing their thing. Although I, you know, Paul's way more in the public eye than I think Ringo is. Oh, sure. Uh, but you know, Ringo was doing his thing on reading or uh, not reading, um, (laughs) uh, Mr. Rogers shining time station. So,
1: yeah, there you go. Uh, I think you were right. Uh, Howard Carcel, Cosell, uh, was the one that announced the Lennon had passed. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of take you through uh, some stats, and there's there's so many of these. I've started on just the, the record-breaking. You touched on a little bit of these, I think. but So the Beatles are the best-selling group ever with around 178 million al- albums sold worldwide, uh, and it is estimated that they've sold over 1 billion discs and tapes to date. Beatles broke the record for most songs in the top 10 in 1964 with 11 hits that record stood for 54 years and uh so what is that 54 that's 2008 is that correct no 40 no uh 2018
0: what was the numbers uh
1: 1964 yeah. plus 54 i can't add right now 1964
0: plus 54
1: yeah plus 54 yeah. Be 2018. 18. Yeah, so in 2018, this person tr- released their 12th top 10. Do you have a guess on who that person was that broke it, Brian? Into it, it would have been
0: last year. Um, it's got to be like another
1: international star,
0: J Lo or something like that.
1: No, nope. Shakira. <laughs> Shakira. No, um, Drake. Oh, yeah. Come uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's kind of sad when Drake beats a Beatles record. Uh, Yeah, but it's true. Uh, The Beagles, the Beatles, had the record for most number ones in the U.S. singles chart with 20. They still hold the record for holding the top five places in the U.S. charts. Ed, that's for U.S. charts. Ed Sheeran held uh, the top six places in the U.K. uh, in 2017 but only Shape of You made it into the top 20 in the U.S. charts for him. Uh, the Beatles have had albums at number one in the U.S. for an incredible 132 weeks, which I uh, believe you – did you mention
0: that? Well, I said the first one had was there for 30.
1: Yeah, okay. So this one was 132 weeks in total. The person in second place uh, is country singer Garth Brooks. Mm uh who is nowhere close with fifty two total weeks
0: well he's still he's still kicking
1: he's sure i don't know <laughs> if he'll reach the beatles he's got to triple his numbers uh maybe
0: that's why he's doing a an a and e uh documentary oh, series right now maybe
1: yeah <laughs> trying to beat it
0: um, I could do some bio off of him
1: yeah yeah I'll, all right well, maybe we'll jump into some country i don't know much about him, so there you go yeah uh so theres a Heated debates, I think. We're not necessarily going to get into it, but um, who was the better writer of the Beatles? Uh-huh. Uh, and that won't be answered by this stat, but what I can tell you is that Paul McCartney had 32 number one hits and John Lennon had 26. So now they collaborated on a lot, and um, but when it comes to writing... Paul McCartney brought in the money a little more. That
0: that is one thing I thought was very interesting and, and kind of cool is that they all took their hand at and wrote you know a yep. good portion of the songs and and they took turns and not yeah. you know it wasn't just like oh uh, one guy is the musical genius like they all are are pretty darn good you know yeah. at everything really yeah
1: and and you know I think. John John was thought of as the genius but he like to your point they all had their skills now i think it often was put as also that John and Paul were the masterminds yeah. of the band i mean they were the original members too but to your point George Harrison also wrote A ton of he worked with i think he wrote a lot together with john uh on on some other stuff and it's cool to see the tones of those songs change a little bit Uh, and i believe ringo he didn't write a lot but i did i do think he wrote a a couple things um he's got to put some
0: drum solos in there for himself you know
1: um and then uh seven they had seven uh seven grammy awards uh won by the beatles uh, but I did want to touch on a couple fun facts because those are those are the records and every everybody knows they have all these records, uh, but these are some fun fun ones that I saw. So, in thirty five minutes of performance uh, in Minneapolis show in nineteen sixty five, they earned ninety thousand dollars, which I thought was a lot of money for a short amount of time in that time period. Yeah. Uh, so Ringo may not be a fan favorite, however, Ringo Starr is the richest drummer of all time. With a net worth of 300 million US dollars. The next richest drummer is Phil Collins. Oh. Yeah. 250. On May 22nd, 2012, one of the outtakes from the famous Abbey Road cover sold for uh, 16,000 euro, which is the equivalent of $20,000 for one single uh, photograph. Uh, And then this one, this one I really liked. Uh, so Yesterday, which is widely considered considered the most covered song, there's actually, it does own a, a world record, though there's some arbitrary, arbitrariness? That's not a word. Um, there's some ominous to this. Uh, anyway, so it's been played. That's I can't not the even right talk. Word I don't know. I'm just running. Um, there's more than, it's been covered more than 2,200 times. Uh, and it it did win that Guinness World Record in two thousand nine. Uh, it's been covered by Liberace, Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, and uh, Vogue, Boys and Men. There's a ton of other ones that that have sung that song. But the interesting thing that I found was that the original song, uh, which I believe Paul wrote, uh, was inspired by a dream that he had, and he woke up and he liked the tune, and the tune was instead of you know, I don't know if you know the song, Yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So instead of Yesterday, it was Scrambled Eggs. Yeah. Uh, so it was Scrambled Eggs. Oh, my baby, how I love your legs. Um, and so that's how it, it started. So I uh, we don't have it here, and we're not going to play it for you, but I, I this is one of those where I'll, I recommend you go home. Uh, apparently, Sir Paul McCartney uh, joined Jimmy Fallon, back uh i want to say 2006 2003 something like that and they performed yesterday but as scrambled eggs yeah it's great it's so it totally changes the the song for me and it you know if i would have watched that before i would have never known there's a history to that of like how you know the most literally the most covered song of all time was about scrambled eggs to start and then just gibberish too um and they they may have fun with the rest of the lyrics cuz there was no rest of the lyrics uh, yeah. at at the first part but but yeah so that's uh that's it for the stats for me
0: All right. well let's uh do some friendship test we just become best friends yep
1: so brian there we talked about the the fab 4 here you know you got some ancillary ones uh but what would you say is the best beatle or well, we'll we'll say your favorite. It's got to
0: be Ringo. <laughs> he was on Shining Time Station. <laughs> I had a
1: feeling you'd go that right? route. I had a feeling you'd go that route. I mean, I'm always you're one of the eight people in the world that say Ringo Starr is their favorite.
0: I I, I, I like your reason. I always like the drummers. I never got to be the drummer, but I wanted to be the drummer. Okay. And so I always felt like the drummers were the cool ones. Because, like, I don't need to be in the front. I don't need to be the star. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I like, I just want to keep that yeah. beat.
1: Didn't you say that – didn't we have come, come up uh, – what was it? The recorder episode? Yeah. Didn't you talk about wanting to be a drummer yep. or something like that? Yep. Um, all right. I, I respect that. Uh, he he might be the weakest member of the Beatles in terms of – Yeah, but he's the richest drummer. Of all time. Of all time. That's true. He's – Yeah. He probably doesn't have as much money as, well, I guess two of them
0: aren't around anymore. So I wasn't going to say that, but
1: (laughs) yeah. I, for me, I'm not super passionate about (coughs) this, but I would say that my favorite would probably be Paul McCartney. I, and, and partly that is guided, you know, because. I didn't grow up through the era, and I think having him around and in the, right. the, the the limelight, I've seen him. I've seen even just watching him do the the joke on Jimmy Fallon and have him sing about scrambled eggs. Like I was like, oh, I like that. Like I like you, Paul, yeah. for doing that type of thing. Yeah, um, and he wrote some great songs too. And I have no problem with with Lennon, Harrison, and, and Ringo are just their background. You know, they're they're good, but they're. They always were just... They, they weren't the stars. Good, not great. Yeah, good, not great, as some would say. But yes, that's that's what I would say. I'd go with Sir
0: Paul McCartney. All right, what's, what's your favorite or, or what is the best Beatles song?
1: So I can't argue that this is the best Beatles song because that would be probably outrageous. But when I really got into the uh, the Beatles, for some reason there was one song that I really loved... And it was uh, called Blackbird. Have you ever heard this song, Brian? Mm, I'm gonna play you're gonna have it. To play I'm it. gonna play it and we're gonna see, you know, if, if listeners will know the song too. Blackbird singing in the dead of the night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. I'm striking out. It's not one of the more popular songs. Night. But it's 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 up there. I mean it's this is pretty much the yeah, song I'm sorry. So. I'll fade it I'd never
0: heard heard that before,
1: yeah, um but yeah, for whatever reason that song just spoke to me, and i just i loved the like the beat to it it was very uh subtle, it was about the lyrics it was um. I don't know, just something about the song that I really liked. And so it's always been, like, I, I don't even have to think about it. It's just, that's my... And it was probably one of my favorite songs, just ever. Um, mm-hmm. So at least top five now, I yeah. would say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when I think about the Beatles, you know, they have a lot of really good songs, but the one that always comes to mind for me is Yellow Submarine. Yeah. I think it's just like this, like kid yeah mentality when I was growing up and and like that's my influence of the yeah. Beatles. uh you know I again when they were around I wasn't born yet but mm-hmm. you know when I was young they were still kind of relevant an influence, and, you Yeah. Know, yeah. Obviously if Ringo stars on Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Know. Um and, and so I think that's the one that always just sticks to me. Uh you know, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but like, m- my parents weren't big Beatles people. Like, all of my friends who were like these massive Beatles people, I think it was because their parents yeah. were Beatles people. Yeah. Um, and my parents were not, and yeah. so I think that's what that, happened. Is, that's probably a big, big indicator. Yeah. For me,
1: I, I mean, like I said, my I had older siblings that were, you know, into that type of music, but my my mom wasn't. Though I know my aunt was she was a part of the craze like she and they all grew up my my parents grew up i mean my mom was born in 55 so she yes, you know was you know, a teenage girl yeah. when this stuff was happening uh my aunt who's a little bit older than her was basically one of those i don't know if she went to a concert but she was one of those girls you'd see screaming you know mm-hmm. if the beatles were there kind of thing um but but yeah, it was mine was more driven by my siblings, and it was they're much more subtle than if I had a parent that was like, "You got to listen to the Beatles," yeah. kind of thing. Um, so we talked about obviously the Beatles today, but you know this British invasion is pretty was epic uh, and so influential to music that we have today. Uh, but I would love your take, and I don't know if you have a, a an interesting take on this, but. Do you have a favorite of these British band? Uh, and there's a bunch of them, but the most notable ones are the Beatles, the Who, and the Rolling Stones. So those were the three big dogs. You know, they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and there's you know others
0: too. So I had the opportunity to see the Rolling Stones this year when they came okay. to Seattle. Yeah, and um, I think that may have influenced my answer here. Okay, yeah. because the performance that they put on. For being upwards of seventy years, eighty, I don't know what their ages actually are, oh, but yeah, they're like, up there, they're way up there, and like Mick Jagger, I can only imagine what he was doing on stage when he was younger, yeah, because he was moving around that thing like it was nobody's business, yeah, and so I can only imagine you had youth probably more. Illicit drugs, <laughs> definitely more illicit <laughs> drugs. Um, le- less prescription to you know get through the pain. Mm-hmm. Th- more more recreational drugs. Yes, I-, I can only imagine what those concerts were like. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to say that it's gonna be the Rolling Stones for me. Okay,
1: that's I. I that's a good answer. Uh, I haven't seen. I obviously didn't see the Beatles live. Um, I had an opportunity to see the Rolling Stones. I didn't see them live. Uh, though I heard great things from you and others and i 've ne- i 've never seen the Who Live, I like all three of these bands. I would say these were kind of in my rotation, especially in high school um, I, if uh, this is really tough for me i've I probably relate more or would enjoy I would enjoy the Rolling Stones if I could see any of these live, I would enjoy the Rolling Stones more. Um, In their prime Because to your point I think they would be More entertaining Yeah Um, Beatles Not that the Who I I think the Who were I don't know much about The Who and their performance I'm sure they were great Yeah Um, But I think theirs Was more about rock music Whereas the Rolling Stones Were about rock music While also performing uh, And they were Pretty good lyricists Yeah The Beatles Was solid I mean good music But it was like the writing was just spectacular. Yeah. Uh, it was all about, it was much more about the lyrics for those bands or for for the Beatles. I'm really torn on this. I I think I think I'm gonna go. Oh, I think I'm gonna go to the Beatles, but it's it's close. And I I guess Rolling Stones would be second. But I love the Who too. I think they have some great songs. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna stick with the Beatles though.
0: All right, well, I'm going to let you ask this one because I don't know where you're going with it.
1: I don't know. I thought we'd have another turkey debate. Oh. <laughs> I the I was just curious. I mean, the Beatles are often thought of as the greatest band of all time.
0: Do, would you say that they're overrated? As the greatest band of all time? As the
1: greatest band of all time.
0: Um...
1: Like, do you think, you know... If I were to tell if I were to tell you my opinion is the great uh, they're the greatest band of all time, would you say like uh you're
0: No. I wouldn't say you're crazy. Okay. I uh I would struggle to think of another band that I could easily argue against uh, against the Beatles, I guess would be my Yeah. I mean that's what, like you're honestly getting
1: into stuff like Rolling Stones and you know who to a, le- a slightly lesser extent but Yeah
0: but but even with them you like look at the longevity of like the number of albums that they've put out the number of number one songs you know and yeah. singles that they've put out the you know you connected with a song that I had never even heard of Yeah um and and so it it's hard because over that what was it uh 15 17 yeah 20 year period they produced a lot of music and a mm-hmm. lot of different songs and a lot of hits yep and it's hard to think of another band that even yeah. can touch that yeah to it's... even begin the conversation
1: yeah, I was tr- I was trying to compare it in my in my head. I jumped to like football and like someone who's they have literally all the accolades. So like a a Super Bowl winning team that's just like won all these Super Bowls or the player that's won all these Super Bowls. Um, I feel like you know there's other people that have had better teams and have done really well, um, like bands. But it's just it, it, from a statistical measurement standpoint, it's hard to argue against the the Beatles. Because they literally own like ninety percent of the music records. Well, maybe not that many, but they own the ones that matter. Yeah. And I, I, I don't. I don't think I would say that. I, I, I don't. I personally don't think that the greatest band ever. But I could. Then who is? Well, it it's just opinion based. It's not like uh, my. It's they're not my favorite band. I take that back. I would say they're not my favorite band. Okay. They're just not. They may be the greatest band ever, but they're not my favorite band. That's how I rephrase it. Okay. Um, my favorite band is U2, but but I would never say U2 is the greatest band ever. That's yeah. that's not. I mean, they're great, but they're not. Yeah. So
0: you're way off base. If that's that's yeah, the yeah, best. So that, then then I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. All um, right. Well. Um, somehow we've we've, you know, been a little less delusional all throughout this because yeah. we kind of came to some consensus there Yeah. Except uh, for
1: your Ringo Starr take, that's
0: no. That is a great take. <laughs> I hope I hope other people agree with that because I, I would imagine a lot of people growing up at, uh, when we grew up, everybody just like the Backstreet Boys, right? Like or the
1: in Sync or any of them. You always picked your favorite. Some of them pick the
0: the Joey or the whatever of the band. The, if Joey was on, you know, the kids show at that time, then you know would have been it. Yeah.
1: Right? Who would have known?
0: Yep. All right. Well, it's delusion, I think. I feel like I'm
1: taking crazy pills!
0: All right, Justin. So, uh, have you seen the movie <sighs> Yesterday? So, I have not. So, okay. if you want to give me okay. a little bit of background on that. So, uh, so, the movie Yesterday recently came out. Basically, the, the story is um, the Beatles never existed. Nobody knows about their music or anything. Only one individual in the world knows that their music existed and he's able to rewrite all their songs and play them and, you know, get all this glory from all this music that he doesn't think is original, but everybody else thinks his original music. So that brings us to our delusional thinking question. Would you rather wake up one day and realize you're living in the movie yesterday with your favorite band? So you two. Yeah. Or, have a song written about you by Taylor Swift.
1: Whew, that is. Both of these have some pros and cons, which is, makes a good delusional thinking. Um, all right, let me th- let me think this one out. So, you two, all of a sudden,
0: doesn't exist. Yeah. But you know they like you know all their music still now
1: when when you say i know all their music is it i know all their music like by heart and i can sing and like do i have the talent to compose or is it mostly like writing the songs and
0: you you know their their um music by heart okay you would have to work at it to sure. yeah. to be able to compose and play the music okay uh in a you know quality yeah sure um, to get there sure but it would be this ingenious you know these genius lyrics sure yeah. and composition and if you were able to get to the point where you could could play it on your guitar yeah then you know you could you make millions
1: too. okay okay that's that's intriguing to me there's some stardom there and some option to almost relive this music that you love, like you're you're now composing it, you're now writing it, you're remembering it, and you're telling people the story. I think there's some greatness to that. They would be sad that it didn't exist, but I think I could get over that. Um, so my first gut is, like, that's pretty good. The Taylor Swift thing is interesting to me. One, because I would bet that 90% of her songs are a our are, are songs about someone yeah. are about some boyfriend that you know was trash, and you know there's yeah. that. But but there's stardom there too.
0: You you that means you dated Taylor Swift at some yeah, point.
1: That means I da- dated Taylor Swift, which is cool. From Pennsylvania, represent. Huh. But I don't know how that would be perceived. I if I da- if I dated Taylor Swift, that'd be I'd have my hat on that. But the song like if everybody, all these, all these people, it was like their, their, uh, um, not swan song. Their,
0: it would be like your their, anthem.
1: Yeah. Anthem. That's what I was looking for. Like the anthem of, of teenage the, girls is like the Justin. Taylor Swift <laughs> breaking up with me. I'd, I'd have, and, and the, actually the other part of this negative is that every time I hear that song, if I, it wasn't a good breakup. If like she broke up with
0: me or something, then, but she would have wrote a song if she broke oh, up. Maybe
1: I, I don't know. Well, unless maybe you did I something a bad. I was jerk to her. Yeah, that's true. And then she broke up with me, but yeah. I still really liked her. Now every time I hear the song, that could be troublesome. So I, my gut's telling me that there's more positives to the other side, and you can, I can, you know, it's sad. It's definitely sad that that you know Bono doesn't exist, or at least he never made music. Um, ooh, can I sir? In that, in that movie, do does the band just never exist? Yeah,
0: they never existed.
1: Okay. All right. I was going to say, like, maybe they existed, but they just never made the band. Because that would be interesting. Uh-huh. Like, Bono exists, but, like, I can go and search for Bono and be like, Bono, I need you to sing for me. <laughs> and here's the lyrics I'll write for you. And I could get him to perform. And then we'll doesn't work that get way. the edge and, you know. No. no, no oh, okay, no. it doesn't work that way. No. All right. Well, I'll figure
0: it out. Okay, that, that's my. So tip. you're, I going, want to know your you're going with yesterday. I'm going to go with yesterday. Yeah, I I have to agree with you, um, and I I just think there are too many bad things about about Taylor Swift writing a song about you. It's true. Like,
1: so I want to say one thing before you go deeper, because I want to give you a
0: different take on this. Okay,
1: there are other songs that aren't about breakup, that could be a very
0: positive. Yeah, but when we say Taylor Swift is writing a song about you, it's inevitably there is a very high likelihood that it is a bad song because that's what she's done. You are correct. You're very
1: correct. But it's a roll of the dice, but what are the odds? You're uh, you're a single man. She could be writing it about you because you guys are currently together and you are now dating in a loving relationship with Taylor Swift.
0: That's not going to happen. It could. It could. No.
1: No, no, no. no. If she write if she's writing a song about you, there is probably a 10 to 15% chance that it's a positive one, but but <laughs> <laughs> and you are in a relationship with Taylor Swift.
0: No. That's worth that's worth considering. No, it's not. It's not oh. worth considering. Okay. It's not worth considering at all. Now, if it was had nothing to do like if she was like, if we were friends and she wanted to write this, oh, ladies, you all need to date this guy, I would be okay with that because there is no ramification. If she writes a song about us us being together, mm-hmm. then that certainly means that if we break up, she is certainly <laughs> writing a song later down That's the road true. about the breakup. That's true. Right?
1: So – all right. So you're saying I just I just want to clarify. You're saying that if you had a we'll we'll round up. If you had a 15% chance to roll the
0: dice and be dating Taylor Swift that you would not roll the dice on that. No. Because that means there's probably an uh, after that 15%, there's probably a 85% chance that we're breaking up and she's writing a That's negative true. song. So about maybe
1: there's a 100% chance <laughs> then in that scenario that you're not making it through or
0: you're writing about a previous breakup. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> I just have to go with yesterday. Yeah. I and mean, it's it's a cool concept. Yeah. It, it kind of is. I heard it was a terrible movie, but. Oh, really? Yeah. I heard oh. it was not good. I didn't hear that, but I want to see, I do want to still see it. Yeah. I, I heard it was not well executed.
1: Okay. But yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Well, uh, you've made it through another podcast. Uh, and we we had a blast as as we always do. Was this episode fifty five? It was. Wow, oh, wow, fifty five episodes with us two jabronis. Um, thanks for hanging around with us. It's always a pleasure. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Google or Apple Podcasts um, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all there. Just look for the Quest for One Hundred or Quest for One Hundred Podcast. Um, and we'll be posting content, uh, every week for you f- folks. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully you enjoyed uh, this one on the Beatles. Yeah.
0: And until next time on the quest for 100.